like a shout out to Pastor Jordan. Who in here was in the quarry when he first did the Passion or Pressure series? I don't know. I'm thinking I was like 15 or 16. So that would have been probably 2007, 2006, somewhere in that time frame. So let's see. Shelby Lynn, how old were you in 2006? Do you know? Anybody know how old they were in 2006? Six? <laughs> Tiny. You were, you were one. You were two. Negative one. One years old. Justin. Okay. Well, this is great. This is going to be new to a lot of you guys, but this is a series that really changed my life. And at that time, I was a very frustrated uh, church member and a very frustrated Christian because I was coming to church and I couldn't figure out why I didn't like it. Like, if you asked me if I believed this stuff, I would say, well, yeah, I believe it. Yes, I believe it's true. But there was a disconnect between what I read in the Bible and what I saw in my own life and what I was experiencing in my own life. And so, uh, you know, my family's very involved in church, so I was here cleaning. And if the church needed anything, I was here for this. I was here for that. I was at everything, but I was very frustrated. And when Pastor Jordan preached this message, he put words to what I was feeling, but I hadn't been able to really describe, and that is that I was serving Jesus out of pressure and not passion. I felt pressured to because this was how I had been raised. This is how I'd been taught. This is how I grew up. If I don't do this, I'll be in trouble with my parents. If I don't do this, this is what people at church are going to think of me. And for some reason, I, I wanted to be passionate about it, but I couldn't figure out how to do that. And this specific message that I'm going to be sharing with you guys tonight um, was something that Pastor Jordan preached, and it was just like, oh my gosh, that's me. That's where I'm, I'm totally missing it. So this message is going to help everyone tonight, but especially if you are an OG church kid and you're having a hard time and feeling like, I don't know, I feel like I'm struggling to make this personal. I feel like I'm struggling to enjoy this. I'm feeling burnt out. I'm feeling tired. I believe this whole series is going to really, really help you and bring a lot of life to areas that have been a struggle for you because, you know, God isn't just interested in what we can do for him. He's interested in knowing us. And when you try and serve God and do things for him without having a relationship with him, you'll be burnt out. And that's why people leave as soon as they're old enough, right? As soon as their parents can't tell them what to do anymore, they're gone. Why? Because they were serving Jesus out of pressure. There was no passion. They were doing the right things and they were doing things for Jesus, but they didn't really know Jesus. And everything that you do for God is supposed to flow out of your relationship with him. So if you're missing the source of energy and the source of life and the source of excitement, when you go to do all this stuff that's supposed to be great and supposed to be fun, it's going to frustrate you and it's going to annoy you and it's going to be something that you don't want to do. And as soon as nobody's making you do it anymore, you won't. And that's where I was at, and I'm grateful for a pastor that teach, teached, oh heavens, not, not tonight, not tonight, devil. I'm grateful for a pastor that taught me this so that I didn't turn 18 and let my frustration pull me out of, out of my house of God where I belong and away from my man of God, because we've got to realize that what I do for God needs to flow out of a relationship with him. And one of the key verses that I'm sure is going to come up in this series a whole lot is in Psalms chapter 69, verse 9. And this is a fantastic picture of what your life should be like and what my life should be like. This is King David, and he's saying, passion for your house, God, has consumed me. 
And you know, we're all consumed with something. I used to be that person who was too embarrassed to worship, but if you saw me at a concert, you would probably be embarrassed to be with me. I'm still like that. Usually, I dance so much that people eventually just like clear clear sort of a path around me so that they don't get hit. And that's the way I like it. If somebody's standing too close, you're going to get a little elbow. You're going to get a little elbow. Give me some space. Because if you're standing there acting like you're not having fun, I don't want to be by you anyway. Maybe you won't like me, and maybe you will move. That's the way I do it. (laughs) But you know what? Now I can do that during worship. I don't go all out because it would be distracting if I really let myself loose. But I will sing, and I don't care what people think. And I'll raise my hands, and I don't care what people think. I'll sing loud enough that people can hear me. I don't care what they think. But that wasn't me 10 years ago. 10 years ago, my passion was in another place. My passion was elsewhere. Passion for God's house wasn't consuming me. Now the work of God's house was consuming me. I was here for everything. I came early. I stayed late. I did it all. But I wasn't passionate about it. So if you're not passionate, if you don't feel this way tonight, like passion for the house of God is consuming you, then I'm here to help, and it's going to be good. And so ask yourself tonight, am I passionate about God's house? And am I more passionate about God's house than anything else? Because that's the only thing worth pouring your life into. You know, somebody said it so greatly the other day. Think about who's going to be in your casket with you. Hopefully no one. That's kind of creepy. Times might have changed by the time we all die. I don't know. But you know what? Your money won't be in your casket. And any awards you win won't be in your casket. And your girlfriend won't be in your casket. And your kids won't be in your casket. You know, the only thing you're taking with you is what you've done for Jesus. So do everything you can. And if your passions are elsewhere, ask yourself why. Why am I not passionate about God's house? Because there's something that you're not seeing. You know, it could be, and this was my issue, I didn't recognize how much I really needed God. Because as I said, I grew up in church. So lots of decisions were made for me. My parents made sure I had good friends. And if I had friends they didn't like, then I didn't hang out with those people, right? Uh, My parents made sure that I wasn't watching things that were inappropriate. My parents made sure that I wasn't going places that were inappropriate. You know, I had these decisions made for me in a way. I was being taught to make right decisions. But I had good parents that enforced that as well. And, you know, because of that, I had this self-righteous attitude, you know? I thought I was better than other people because I hadn't done what they did, even though I wasn't allowed to do it. So, like, that wasn't even my decision. So how could I even be arrogant? Because if I had been allowed to do that stuff, probably would have. But I wasn't allowed to, so I did it. And I still let this attitude come on me, you know, that I thought that I was a good person. And I thought, like, okay, yeah, that person needs Jesus. You know, the crazy one, yes, they need Jesus. And you know that girl that's really trashy? She needs Jesus, right? That guy who's always stoned, he needs Jesus. You know, I could point out people that needed Jesus. Yes, they need Jesus. They really need help. And I didn't think that I needed Jesus, and I really needed help. And that was my problem. That was where my disconnect was. I couldn't be passionate about knowing God because I didn't really think I needed to. You know, I didn't recognize my need for that. And so that's what I want to talk about tonight. You know, it's not other people that need God and and really messed up people that need God. And, you know, other people need God to save them. They really need the help. You know, but I haven't really done anything bad. You know, I've been fine. I haven't really done anything that bad compared to other people. You know, that's what I did. But those thoughts are a religious lie. And if you think you're doing fine 
without that relationship with Jesus, then you're deceived about how much you need a Savior. So tonight, it's going to be good. You guys ready? It's going to be good. It might hurt a little, but it's going to be good. And it might get a little like, it might be like a theology class a little bit, but it's going to be good. And I'm excited to share this with you because this changed my life and still continues to every day. That's one of the things that I'm so glad God was able to do in me uh, was just show me how much I need him because it makes it much easier for me to not judge other people when I can clearly see how much I need Jesus every single day. So um, for our first point we're going to look at tonight, let's turn to Romans chapter 5. And I'm going to read this out of the Passion Translation. It says, when Adam sinned, the entire world was affected. That includes me and you. Sin entered the human experience, and death was the result. And so death followed this sin, casting its shadow over all humanity because all have sinned. And here's my first point tonight, is that no one is a good person. You ready? No one is a good person. There is no such thing as a good person. And so many times we have trained ourselves to see people as good and bad based on their behaviors or even based on things they were born into, maybe based on how much money they have, maybe the color of their skin. You know, there's so many unfair judgments that have been made against people by us categorizing them as good or bad. And, you know, generally we will never categorize ourselves as bad, right? right? Everyone's a lot easier on themselves than they are on other people. But that's the first thing I want to break down tonight is that there's, there's no such thing as a, a good person. That verse told us that we are all born into sin. Sin, it said sin casts its shadow over all of us because we have all sinned, right? We have all sinned. So we are all in the same boat of being somebody who was born into a sinful nature. Because of Adam's decision in Genesis to disobey God, he brought sin into the world. And more than that, he brought sin upon the whole human race. So you and I, regardless of where we're born and who we're born to, we're born as sinful people, right? The Bible refers to that as our sinful nature. We would maybe call it our human nature. That's who we are. Automatically, by default, you and me, every single one of us. Without Jesus, that's where we start. We all start at the same place. So there aren't good people and there aren't bad people. There are people who were all born into the very same situation. We're all on an even even playing field. You, me, the person who's sitting in jail today, that trashy girl at your school, Me and her, we're the same. We're the same. We're both right here. I'm not better than her. I also was born into a sinful nature, you know? And so that's what we've got to realize. There's not good people. There's not bad people. And, you know, a lot of times we've done the same thing as some of the the bad people. We're just judging ourselves less harshly. So I want to encourage you guys tonight in every way to just break that down and stop, stop viewing people as trashy people or as dirty people or as nasty people. You know, so many times it's easy to look at people that way and just judge them for the things that I'm not doing, you know, but things I see them doing. And that's so wrong. We are all born into sin and there's not good people and there's not bad people. And so that creates a universal need for a savior. We are all the same. Nobody can save themselves. So that's the first thing tonight is that no one is good. You guys got to take a deep breath. (sighs) We're going to go up. There's no place to go but up from here, right? Nobody is a good person. And the second thing I want to talk about tonight comes right along with that is that there is no category to sin. 
And, you know, sometimes we think as, of sin as bad things. And I don't like that way of looking at it. Sin is not bad things, right? Uh, sin is not a list of things that you're not supposed to do. Sin is anything that separates you from God and distances you from God. And when God looks at things, he doesn't see, like, super bad sins, kind of bad sins, not really bad sins. He's just seeing things that are separating us from him. And that's why sin hurts the heart of God, because it pushes us away from him. It makes it hard for us to hear his voice. So there's not levels to sin. And when we take that away, we have a lot easier time uh, loving people and not judging people. Because listen, my sin of, of gossip or of lying or of pride is just as bad as the guy who killed somebody. And this is uncomfortable too, right? We don't want to put ourselves on the same level as people like that sometimes because it's uncomfortable. It's, it's hard to think of yourself that way. It's hard to, to not look at yourself in a way that's prideful, in a, in a way that allows for mistakes. But there's no difference between me and, and somebody who's done, you know, horrible things. It's all sin. It all separates us from God. The things that I've done in my life could separate me from God, just like the things that they've done can separate them. So there is no category to sin. Sin is designed to keep you from experiencing God fully. So stop viewing it as a, a list and a, you know, a group of bad things. Like, this is sin. I can't do these things. No, sin is just stuff that gets in the way of you being close to God like you're supposed to. And when we look at it that way, too, we see that there's not a whole lot of difference between us and the people that we judge sometimes. And uh, the Bible tells us that God is holy and God is perfect. So here's where the problem came in. Adam sinned in Genesis. And then like that verse said, it casts a shadow over us all. We are all now born into sin. That's the way that we are by default. So we're, we're born in a place of separation from God because that's what sin is designed to do. But because God is perfect and he's holy, he can't come into contact with sin. And that's why he needed a plan. That's why he needed a solution. That's why he had to do something major because he couldn't stand to be separated from us. And at that point, it wasn't our choice. That's what we were born into, you know. But let's change our thinking in that way tonight, you know. There's no category to sin. We all need to identify sin for what it is, choices that are separating us from our Father. And because we have all sinned, you know, we have no right to judge. God is not looking at you and saying, oh, you're better than somebody else just because you didn't do this. And in the same way, he's not looking at that person who's done awful things and saying that they're too far gone or that they're lost or that he's disappointed in them. His love is the same, so our love should be the same as well. You guys with me tonight? So we know this so far. There's no good people, and there's no category to sin. And here's where it gets really exciting. Ready? The third thing I want to look at tonight is that we all deserve death. And what I'm doing tonight is painting a picture of why Jesus had to come because so many times I think, you know, that's part of where the disconnect is. I don't realize I need Jesus because I don't really understand why he had to come for me. You know, we hear that story so many times. Jesus died for our sins. Jesus came to save us. You know, Jesus came to rescue us. But yeah, why did he have to do that? So that's what we're taking a look at tonight. And let's take a look next at Romans chapter 6. Because I don't think you and I would really say the things that we've done deserve death. Right? And that's where... We're going to take a look at this tonight. This is what God says to us in his word. For the wages of sin is death. What does that mean? The cost of sin is death. But the free gift of God 
that is his remarkable, overwhelming gift of grace to believers is it. Excuse me, is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. But that first part is what I want to look at today. The wages of sin is death. So remember that there's not big sin and little sin. There's just sin, which every single one of us has carried. There is sin, and no matter how small you think your sin is or how insignificant you think it is, because you have sinned and because you've brought that into your life and because you were born into that, you have a charge on your account, and it's death which is really intense, right? It's really intense, but we all deserve death. The cost of our sin, no matter what it is, is death. That's the price of sin. That's how much it costs. You know, anybody ever like (laughs) gone shopping and you're like finding all kinds of stuff that day. It's like a real good day. You're loading up your cart and you were kind of keeping track of the cost at the beginning, but, like, as it started to pile on, you, you really kind of forgot where you were going with things. You're not really sure where you're at. You're thinking you're, like, around this cost. And when you get up to the cash register, it's, like, slightly over budget. Anybody? Me. Okay. I do this in TJ Maxx routinely. <laughs> They're all such good deals. You're like, yes, $4, $6, $12. Yes, yes, yes. And it all adds up. And you get up to the register, and you're hoping the woman can't tell how surprised your face is. <laughs> This has happened to me a time or two, but it's okay. I have a supply. So I think sometimes that's many of us would be shocked if we really could see the reality of what our sin costs. You know, we're thinking this little decision doesn't matter and this small thing really isn't a big deal. And this this issue I have, it's really not that bad because I can see that person and their issues are a lot worse. So I'm feeling pretty good about myself. But the reality is that All sin has a price, and that price is death. The cost of your sin is expensive. And in fact, it was something that we couldn't pay. Because if you read through the Old Testament, you see that when people were trying to atone for their sins and and find forgiveness, you had to have a perfect sacrifice, right? How could a flawed person make that payment, right? If If I owe death because of the bad things that I've done... My death can't even fix that because I still have that sin. And, you know, that's what Jesus came to do. We didn't get what we deserve. Thank you, Jesus, because we deserve death. But we got what he offered. And that leads us into the next point, and that is that we all need a Savior. And I want to take a look at Romans chapter 8. And I love this. It says, The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. So he did that so the just, sorry, so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the spirit. So this paints a really pretty picture of what Jesus came to do. Thank you, Lord, because we all deserve to die and we all carried this debt. We were born into it, but it says that the law of Moses was not able to save us. So the law of Moses, there's going to be a quiz on this later. Are you ready? All right. That went over well. (laughs) The law of Moses was kind of like we were talking about earlier, like a list of things that you would do to make God happy. So I know that I've sinned. 
I know that that's distanced me from God, but I'm going to do the best I can to try and make up for it. So in the Old Testament, before Jesus came, that's where we saw sacrifices, when people would sacrifice animals and when people had to follow really strict rules about their hair and about their clothes and about what they ate. It was all part of a law that Moses had set before the people because they were trying to make God happy to make up for their sin. And this was insufficient. People were trying to pay for the cost of their own sin, which was impossible. They couldn't do it. So they lived frustrated lives, and they they lived lives that were really hard, and they had a lot more rules than you and I do. You feel like you have a lot of rules growing up in a Christian home or something? They had crazy rules about your beard and about your hair and about your clothes, and you couldn't eat pork, and I love pork. So it was a lot, right? So let's take a look at the next verse, and that's in Romans chapter 5. These people were trying to pay the cost on their own. But this is what Jesus came to do. And this free-flowing gift imparts to us much more than what was given to us through the one who sinned. For because of one transgression, or Adam's mistake, we are all facing a death sentence with a verdict of guilty. But this gracious gift leaves us free from our many failures and brings us into the perfect righteousness of God, acquitted with the words, not guilty. And that's what Jesus came to do, to say, you are not guilty, because we tried to say that about ourselves. We tried to follow all the rules. We tried to do what was right, but we couldn't pay that debt. We couldn't pay what we owed. It was too much, and our works were insufficient. But because we were born into sin, we owed that. However, God loved us so much that he said, hey, you don't have to pay. I'll take care of it. I've got a plan. And so that's what Jesus came to do. Jesus was the only person who could pay for my debt because he was the only person who didn't owe the same debt. You and I, we all owe the same. Every person on this planet owes the same. But Jesus was the only one who didn't have that on his account. And that's why he was able to come in and pay it once and for all for you and me. And so that's why we need a Savior. You know, sometimes, like I said, we think that we're doing okay, right? Our life feels okay. Nothing major is happening, and in reality, here's what's happening. You're living under a sheltered house on your mommy and daddy's faith, and I don't say that to be insulting, but I'm saying it because it's the truth, because that's what I would have found out real quick. If I didn't get a hold of this, and I decided when I was 18 I was going to be grown and head out, I would have hit the wall real quick, because I was living off my parents' faith and my pastor's faith, and I was under the shelter of this church and the shelter of my house, and that's why my life hadn't been that bad. I was under protection, not even by my own doing, but because of the people that that were around me, but Jesus had to come. He had to die because his sinless blood was required in place of our sinful blood. That's what he came to do because he didn't owe that debt. He was the only one qualified to pay it. He didn't owe anything, and because of that, we all need a Savior. You know, that puts us, like I said, on an even playing field, right? We all owe a debt that we cannot pay We cannot pay, and Jesus was the only one who could come and do that for us. That's why you need a Savior. Even if you feel like you're okay, you'll find as you move on through life, you can't you can't get it without Jesus. It doesn't work because it's impossible. We can't cover that debt that we owe. So that's why I need Jesus just as bad as every other person on the planet, just as bad as Hitler needed Jesus. You know, I think about that sometimes, and it's hard. It's hard to put yourself on that level. But am I that different? Yes, I am that different. But really, I'm not. You know, without Jesus, who knows what I would have done? Who knows what terrible things I'd be doing in life and how I'd be treating people and how I would be living? You know, anybody that you can think of in history or or that person at school that you hate, 
man, put yourself on their playing field and see them because even people who've done horrible things and we think like, yeah, they deserve to die, God loves them like he loves us, you know? And when you think about how God loves you and you try and apply that to someone who's done horrible things, you know, it's hard and it kind of shakes you, but it's the reality of God's love because he's so much more merciful than we deserve. And he's like that to everybody, you know. God loves you, yeah, but he loves everybody else too. So don't don't allow yourself to be fooled and to, to abuse his love by saying like, yeah, I'm fine. Like, yeah, I don't really need him. Those people definitely need him, but really I'm good. We all need Jesus. And the last point I want to look at tonight is in Ephesians chapter 2. And this was something else I really struggled with. It's that our salvation is based on God's love and not our good works. And I I still am sometimes like this today. If a day goes by and I feel like I didn't pray enough today, I didn't spend enough time in the Word today, I'll start to get really down on myself. But if I really evaluate my thinking... I can really pinpoint the fact that I'm honestly thinking God is less happy with me today because I didn't do that. And that's not true. That's not true. And a lot of times we kind of put God on the same level as people because most people in our life treat us based on our performance, right? If you're doing what your parents want you to do, they're happy with you. If you're doing things they don't want you to do, they're not happy with you, right? A lot of our relationships are very performance-based. You will be happy with me if I'm doing what you want me to do. And so a lot of times we project that onto God, and we've got to stop doing that because God loves us the same no matter what. He loved me the same yesterday. It doesn't matter what I did today. It doesn't matter what I'm going to do tomorrow. He wants me to live right because it's going to help my life. But it doesn't change his love for me at all. You know, I don't come to church every Sunday to make God happy. I'm not checking it off my list. He's not keeping a roster in heaven saying like, okay, who came to the quarry tonight? Who missed? I'm going to mark that down. It's not about that. He loves us unconditionally. And that means it's not based on our performance. And in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 9, it said, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for it. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so none of us can boast about it. So stop trying to earn God's salvation. You know, if you do that, you're going to give up because we can't earn God's salvation. And that's part of where I was when I was in high school as well. You know, I, I would get down on myself like, oh, I didn't read my Bible today. Like, that makes 17 days in a row. Um, I like, you know, I didn't do this. I didn't do that. So, like, I can't know God because I'm not doing what it takes and blah, 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 blah. And I was really trying to earn my salvation. If you had asked me that, I would have been like, no, you can't even do that. But that's really what I was trying to do. I was trying to act like today God doesn't like me as much. I'm not going to ask him for anything because I didn't read my Bible today. So he's not going to answer my prayers because I didn't read my Bible today and I didn't pray just to, like, hang out with him. I only prayed with him to ask him for stuff. Anybody else in here ever thought like that? Yeah, sometimes I still struggle with that. Sometimes I still feel intimidated, like, oh, should I pray and ask God for something? Because I didn't really pray that much just to, like, spend time with him. It's not about that. We've got to break that down. I cannot earn God's love, and I'm so thankful for that because there's no way we could ever do that. But your salvation is not based on how good you are. That's why we can never say that we're better than anyone else. Maybe I am doing my best to live right, and I know someone who's not living right, but 
I didn't earn this. I have a lot of amazing things in my life. And you know why I have them? Because of God. I didn't do anything to get those things. I could work as hard as I could. I could try and be a good person all day. It wouldn't be enough to earn that stuff. God loves you and God wants to bless you regardless of how you're living. That person that you can't stand or your trashy relatives, God wants to bless them just like he wants to bless you. I mean, really, really, really. You got to start thinking about it that way. I cannot earn this. None of this is because I'm a good person. God is not blessing me because I'm behaving better than someone else. Now, God will reward us for good decisions. That's true. But God is blessing me because he loves me, you know, and I'm making myself available to what he has for me. If I was doing things I shouldn't do, I would be making myself unavailable to what he was trying to get to me because he's always trying to get those things to us. He loves us. So ask yourself tonight, do you have the attitude that you're better? better than others because you live more right than them. God loves us all the same. You know, there's no nice list. There's no, like I said, attendance roster. I don't get bonus points because I'm here on a Wednesday night. It's not about that. You know, I can't earn anything. That, that verse said God saved us by his grace, and I can't take credit for it because it's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so none of us can brag about it. God loves me for who he is, and it has nothing to do with my efforts. And again, this this will help you just realize, A, that you need Jesus, and B, that you need to love people like Jesus loves them. I mean, God is helping me with that every single day. I don't walk by homeless people anymore and avoid eye contact with them. Because that could be me in an instant. I don't care if they're a drug addict. I don't care why they're homeless. I don't care if they've done awful things. I've done awful things, you know. This is something that is, like I said, God is helping me with every day. I do not ever want to judge someone for what they've done. Because, A, everybody doesn't know all the stuff I've done, and I'm grateful for that, right? And, B, who knows what I would have done without Jesus. God has been so good to me and has protected me from so many things that how dare I ever look at someone and think that they're less than me for any reason. You know, maybe they smell bad. Okay, maybe they don't have access to a shower, right? You know, maybe they're really weird. Okay, you know, maybe they grew up in a really weird home and they didn't have a lot of interaction and they have psychological damage. I mean, just how dare I ever look down on someone or make fun of them because I have not earned anything that I have in life and you haven't either. It's all because of God's goodness and our salvation is a gift, not a reward. So the last verse I want to look at tonight kind of sums all this up and it's in Romans chapter 5. And it says, but God put his love on the line for us by offering his son in sacrificial death while we were of no use whatever to him. And I think that brings it all together tonight. You know, we needed a savior and we were in a place where we were a person of sin. Now, I don't identify as a sinner anymore because God has made me righteous. But that's not, not by my doing. And it's sometimes good to just to check yourself in from like, where would I be without God? You know, where did I come from? I'm not dwelling in the past, but I don't ever want to forget the things that God has pulled me out of when I didn't deserve it. And, and you know, it's just, it's just good to give yourself a reality check. So I know tonight was a little bit different. Uh, tonight was maybe a little bit uncomfortable, but these are things I'm trying to do every day right now.